June 14, 2020. Jesus heals a woman and raises a girl. Mark chapter 5. Good morning, Sunday School class. Uh, we're looking in God's Word again today. Today we'll be looking in the book of Mark. And uh, before we get started, let's ask for the Lord's help and uh, with us today and speak into our hearts. Let's pray and ask Him to be with us today. Also, remember those in our church. We've had several uh, people that have passed away recently out of our own Sunday school class. Um, Brother Hocutt, and then we've, of course, another fellow that passed away this week. Uh, another great Christian man was Roy Crowder. If you'd remember his, their families, it'd be great. Uh, outstanding people and good Christian men. We hate to lose anybody anytime. And um, but uh, these were outstanding people in my judgment. May we pray, Lord? I do thank you for this opportunity to come before you again today. We are unworthy, Lord, of the least of your favor, and you know that better than I know it. You know it better than anybody knows it. You know our hearts better than we know our hearts. You know also that our hearts are deceitful, desperately wicked. Who can know it? Give us grace, Lord, before your throne today. We thank you for Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Give us grace before your throne, Lord, and give us a heart for you and a heart for your word, and give us an obedient heart and a willing heart to be what you'd have us to be. Bless your word and transform us today into the image of Jesus Christ, I pray and ask these things. Through Christ's name, I pray and ask this. Amen. Today's lesson is entitled, Jesus Handled a heal, excuse me, a woman and raises a child. And that's Mark 5, 21 through 43. A woman comes to Christ in today's lesson for healing, but finds something greater. Likewise, a father seeks healing for his daughter, but he finds more. The session in the sentence would be, Jesus calls us to have faith in his power over affliction, shame, or death. St. Jude's Hospital, I'm told, is where folks bring their children when there are no one when they have, when no one else can find a cure. St. Jude specializes in lost causes or people that are desperate. We might say that so does Christ. When people are desperate, when they lost causes, they come to Christ. Because we come to Christ, that's the only hope anyway. When folks come to the end of their rope, they bring their children to St. Jude's Hospital. When we come to the end of ourselves, we come to Christ, who has, um, uh, who Christ, who may heal our physical condition or not, but we, but He heals our most serious condition, which is a sin problem. With His death on that cross and shed His blood on the cross for us, He heals all our sin problems. He is the only cure for the terminal illness we have of sin. We all have it. Everybody had it. We only desire a physician, the scriptures say. A man only desires a physician when we know we're sick. We only desire Christ, and only any person only desires Christ when we know they're sick. In today's lesson, we see our Lord showing victory over uh, sickness and death. In the previous chapters, we see His power over nature, and um, He... he um, quieted the storm in a previous chapter in Mark. Also earlier in this chapter he demonstrated and proved his power over demons and the work of Satan. In today's material we see that he has power over sickness. 
and also has power over death. The material shows there is nothing he does not have power over. The Almighty God he is almighty and handle any of my problems and any of your problems. You might go to a dentist with a heart condition, but I'm sure that he will tell you that he doesn't handle that. But when you come to Christ, there's no condition that we have in our hearts and lives that he does not handle. Another point that we should note about today's miracles, like last week's lesson, those seeking Christ were desperate for help. I'm afraid a lack of desperation is part of the reason we don't hear from heaven as we would like to. May our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, give us an urgency about our lives and a desperation about our lives to hear from you, Lord. Today's lesson is uh, chapter 5, verses 21 through 43, and I'll read that now. Verse 21, Mark 5, 21. Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. When he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood, <coughs> used in the King James issue of blood for 12 years, and had suffered many things of physicians. She had spent all that she had, it was none the better, but even grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And looking around to see who had done this thing, and he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell before, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Be healed of your affliction. While he was still speaking, some came from the, from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believed. <clears throat> he permitted no one to follow him except James, and John, Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult, and those who wept and wailed loudly. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, when he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead but sleeping. They ridiculed him. But when he had put them outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered into the, where the child was laying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, uh, Talitha, Talitha, Cumin, uh, 
which is translated little girl, I say to you, arise. I'm not sure I got that pronunciation right. In fact, I'm probably positive I didn't. Anyway, immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years old, 12 years of age. And they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly that no one should know it and, and, and said that something should be given her to eat. Uh, looking back over those verses now, I want to look at um, those verses individually a little bit. And um, starting back, I want to start back in chapter 5, verse 21. The material actually starts uh, at... Um, The material actually starts at um, 25, where the lesson starts, but I want to cover back up a little bit from that, starting back at 22. Let's look at verse 22 first. One of the rulers of the synagogue named Jairus, note that he was a man of a substantial statue. He was a layman whose job it was to operate and manage the synagogue. Though he was not a priest, he supervised the operation of the synagogue. He was not, as we would say, not your average man. He was of greater stature than that. It kind of reminds me of what Abraham, I think Abraham Lincoln said, God must have loved the common people. He made a lot of, lot of us. <laughs> and uh, But this was not the average guy. He was a little bit of an authority person. Uh, when, he saw, when he saw Christ, however, he fell at his feet. Regardless of who we might think we are, and no, no one comes to Christ with a haughty spirit, we must humble ourselves before him in true, must be truly broken humility. Um, this man had an urgent need and knew uh, this power was much greater than himself, and it was his only hope. He begged, his, he begged, his, uh, he begged him earnestly. There is no other place for him to go, and this man knew that. He didn't have any other options. It reminds me, as I said last week, it's so common in the scriptures, really, that Peter said, Lord, where else? He said, Are you going? The Lord said, Peter, are y'all going? He said, Are y'all going to leave me and go somewhere else? And Peter said, Lord, where else can we go? Who, who else can we go to? That's it. There is no options. Christ and Christ alone. And this man knew it. And, uh, uh, my daughter, he said, lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may uh, be healed and she will live. Don't know why he had this faith in Christ, but he said, lay your hands on her and she will. Uh, not maybe, he said, she will. Uh, not, not maybe, but will, will live and be healed. Be healed and live. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, the Scripture says. And we see these instances over and over again where people had faith. They trusted the Lord. The Lord give us grace to trust you without any reservation, totally and completely. I pray and ask you, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Give us that type of faith. As we read your word, Lord, grow our faith so that we can... Uh, glorify and honor you and trust in you in everything. Christ responds in verse 24, Christ responds to desperate pleas. Christ um, went, uh, went with the man and the multitudes followed and thronged him. Now that word thronged to me means they kind of almost crowded him. I'm not positive that's exactly. Uh, but it's, it, it was a crowd and they were thronging him or close to him. 
In verse 25, coming to the meat of the, this part of the uh, scriptures that the, the commentary is on, the woman uh, had a flow of blood for 12 years. Now, this condition, which was hemorrhage of the blood, made her ceremonially unclean, ceremonially unclean. She was cast out socially and out social life and religious life because she was unclean. Uh, touching another person made them unclean. And so she was um, unable to have normal relationship because of this illness. It's been going on 12 years. It's quite a while to be having this problem. And uh, anyway, verse 26, she endured many doctors. To me, that sense seems to speak uh, of the fact that she suffered or she had a very difficult time. I don't know what, of course, what they might have put her through, but she had um, gone to some extremes, and the doctors probably had used some extremes in trying to help her to get well. But no matter what happened, she didn't get any better. In fact, she had spent all her resources. She spent all the money she had. She was out of money now, out of resources, and nothing helped, but she just continued to get worse. She was desperate. She had nowhere else to go, but she had heard about the Lord, and she wanted to see uh, if he couldn't do something far. And having heard about him, it says in verse 27, um, what she heard made her believe that he could help her. But she, as it were, slipped up behind him and touched his garment. She was so ashamed, my thinking is, she was probably so ashamed, uh, she tried to be inconspicuous, ashamed of her condition, and perhaps many knew their knew her condition and didn't want to be by her near her, so she kind of slipped up in the crowd, I suppose. She was ashamed of her condition, and she didn't want to confront or touch him, making him unclean. But her touch of the garment did not make him unclean, but it did make her clean. Hearing... Hearing about the Savior is the first thing. She had heard about Him. Uh, she had heard about Christ. And hearing about the Savior is the first step in coming to Christ. You must hear. And that's why the Word says that preachers are so important. Preachers of peace. Sharing God's Word with the, with the people. Then it reminds, this reminds me of Rahab the harlot. Some stories just kind of stick out in my mind, and perhaps yours as well. But Rahab the harlot, you know, it's kind of amazing at Jericho that she hid the spies like she did. But she had heard, she told them, she said, you know, I've heard about y'all's God, and I've heard about how y'all are conquering all these nations. And she had faith, and she believed God, and her faith was rewarded as she, as you know, came in the line of Christ. But it's kind of like... Um, Rahab, this lady heard about Christ and had faith that he could heal her. Faith comes by hearing, the word says. In verse 28, the word says, If only I may touch his garment, I shall be well. How did she know that? that that's a mystery to me. How did she know that she only touches a garment, she would be well? I don't frankly know how she knew that. But she believed it to be so, and it was so, I guess. Christ just, uh, he sensed that touch. He sensed her faith in that touch. And we'll look at that. But um, And uh, she was healed immediately. Immediately the fountain of blood dried up, verse 29. The flow of blood stopped. Humility and desperation bring healing and salvation. A humbleness before the Lord and a desperation for him, for his help. A crowd, the Lord is looking for people that will, um, that 
that are seeking his face and long for his face. He's not, he's not dodging people. He's hunting people that would bow them before him. And the Lord said the fields are white unto harvest. The word, uh, the the word for her healing and also the da- the daughter being raised from the dead means salvation, not just physical healing. In other words, when we come to Christ, we'll get more than we ever hope or imagine. The Lord never never disappoints. The Lord never disappoints. Merciful and gracious beyond measure. And I think most of us in our lives could testify that we never dreamed we'd be blessed like we have been. And I just thank Him for it even right now. Trust, uh, the second series of verses we're looking at is trust in His power to remove shame. That's 5, 30-34. In verse 30, Christ realized power had gone out of Him. Somehow he felt the healing and redeeming power transfer from him to her. That's not to say that he ran out of power or ran out of grace or anything like that, but he felt the grace flow to her. Who touched my clothes? Notice he said, who touched my clothes? Um, it, wasn't a, it wasn't, obviously, it was not, not a normal touch. Many people probably touched his clothes, but it was not a normal touch. Uh, he felt it. and uh, But notice also that he didn't say, who touched me? Uh, he said, who touched my clothes? And then we'll see, uh, in verse 31, the disciples said, who touched me? In verse 31, the disciples said, who touched me? Disciples thought, the disciple thought that was a stupid question since so many people circled around him, crowded around him, I should say. Verse 32, he looked to see her. How did he know it was a her? <laughs> First question, and but he did. He sensed it, and he knew when he saw her that she was the person. The all-knowing God, he looked right straight at her in the eyes, but she, fearing and trembling, fell down and told him the whole truth. She realized her low estate and his enormous glory, and uh, she fell down uh, and trembling. If we get the right perspective of the Lord and the right perspective of who we are, we're going to be uh, we're going to be falling down before Him and uh, having the right attitude. The Bible says fear is a good thing, and this woman was fearing and trembling. The old Quakers remind me of the old Quakers. I think about the Quakers um, quaking. And um, anyway, um, she fell down and told him the whole truth. She realized her lowest state and his glory, as I've said. What was the whole story? She told him the whole story. Well, I'm not sure. I'm sure it was a whole story about her touching him. I suppose she told the whole story about, about all these years she'd spent and went to doctors. Explained all the things she'd done, trying to get well, but couldn't get well until she came to the great physician who healed her. And uh, he healed her not only uh, physically, but also spiritually, as we'll see. But anyway, um, when we are in the presence of our Redeemer, we are compelled to tell the whole story. We dare not uh, seek to hide anything. You couldn't hide anything. But you wouldn't want to hide anything. That's the main thing. You wouldn't want to hide anything. He wanted to see his 
the Lord from the Lord's viewpoint, he looked around to see her. I think that he wanted to see his healed patient. The Lord delights in helping and blessing people. He wanted to see his healed patient. The great physician healed her physically and spiritually. Then in verse 34, the Lord says, daughter. He didn't say woman. Uh, she is now in his family. And he says, you are now part of my, my family and your faith has saved you. Then he gave her, he gave her two things. He gave her, first of all, he gave her peace, the forgiveness of sin. And he also gave her physical healing. While she had been cut off from the family of God because of her impurity, she is now a member of the family of God. She is a daughter in the family of God. What a change, what a change. From an outcast to a family member. That's where we all are, though. Without Christ, we're all outcasts. And we're not part of the family of God. But she became the daughter and became in the family of God. I would imagine there was some kind of rejoicing and praising and thanking God and thanking Jesus Christ. I would have bet you you couldn't drive her to leave the faith. And um, uh, I heard one guy say a while back, some some leave the faith. Uh, they never were, um, they never did um, hear, hear enough to really come in. They never really believed to come in, so they departed. But I, I bet this little girl right here was a faithful follower of Christ all the way being a daughter. Then the next and final series of, of scriptures is trust in Christ's power to remove the curse of death. The curse of death is, of course, from the fall of Adam, the sin of Adam that we all inherit. Uh, the curse of death and sin upon all of us. Uh, we all have the curse of death. Mark 5, 35-42, Christ was on the way to Jairus' home um, to heal his daughter of the sickness that she had, but he was interrupted, and I have interrupted in quotation marks. The Lord ain't going to get thrown off track. Now, he is not going to get thrown off track. He, he, he is willing to stop anytime, anywhere to bring somebody to himself, to heal people, to do good. He don't get interrupted except by design, and I, I sincerely believe that's exactly what it says. He was interrupted, but he was it's like the woman at the well he wasn't interrupted he was more than happy to talk to the woman at the well but anyway um, uh, you will recall uh, interrupted by this woman you recall that I'm sure Jairus Jairus he's thinking this, the Lord is st standing here talking to this woman and so forth and Jairus I'm sure he's probably thinking at least I imagine what through his mind. I wish he'd get finished talking to this woman and come on, let's go see about my daughter because she is at the point of death. I would imagine that thought might have gone through his mind. I don't know for sure. But don't you think Christ knew that? He knew about this girl and knew what kind of shape she's in and probably knew before they came and told him that she had passed away. This is the kind of, um, this is kind of like Lazarus, I think, in a way. The Lord was uh, in no hurry. Uh, wanting Lazarus to go ahead and be dead when he got there. He, he didn't get in a hurry at all because he said, I want to, I want to be, uh, demonstrate a greater miracle to you. Perhaps this is the same here. He wanted to demonstrate a greater miracle. And that really, I, that I don't think I know. The point of the miracles are that people would trust him and believe him. And uh, he really wants people to trust him and believe him without the miracles. Because he said at one point, he said, you won't believe unless you see a bunch of signs and miracles. 
And I think he used those, all right, to draw people to himself and cause them to trust in him. But he really wants us just to take him on faith without seeing a miracle. Take him at his word, if you will. That's the main thing. Take him at his word. While he was still speaking, uh, the Lord was still speaking, some came from the ruler's home and said, Trouble not the teacher. Your daughter is dead. Then uh, in verse 36, Christ heard this and he said to the ruler, Do not be afraid, only believe. Luke says, uh, adds a little bit more to it, the same um, miracle in Luke says, Luke says that he said, Don't be afraid, only believe, and she will be well. That part, and she will be well, is added to it in Luke. But nonetheless, uh, basically the same idea anyway. Death is not a problem at all with, with the Lord. He can cure that as well as he can cure any other illness or disease. He, he has all power. There's no problem with him curing any kind of a problem. So, um, so um, these are our only options in life. The only options in life is that we can live in fear or we can live in faith. I don't know how any of you are, and I don't know if you have a, ever have a uh, siege of fear come over you, but I tell you, there's nothing like faith to beating fear, and uh, I just uh, don't want to live no other way. And Lord, I just pray that you'll help us all to live in faith and not in fear. Trust you with everything, Lord, I pray. Then in verse 30, 37, Christ permitted when he went to Jerry's house, he permitted only Peter, James, and John to go with him. The same ones that uh, went with him on Transfiguration. I don't know exactly the reason, and I could explain all the reasons for that, why that was the case, but nonetheless, that was the case. Some say it's an inner circle, as close as associate. I don't know for sure about that, but uh, none of the commentators commentate on it. <laughs> Comment on like day that for sure, and uh, none of them that I read anyway. But um, then verse 38, he came to the house. When he came to the house, he saw a tumult uh, there at the house of those who wept and wailed loudly. Probably a lot of these were professional wailers uh, or criers. Uh, wailers is what it's normally called. And, and I'm sure most of you probably know that, but, you know, crying is a good thing. And I th these wailers were hired oftentimes to get the families to go ahead and cry. And that's the reason they, they, they did that, to get the family to go ahead and cry and get that release and relief from the stress of losing a loved one. And so these were most likely, we'll see here in just a minute, some of these people at least were professional wailers. Christ said to them, however, what are you making such a commotion about? Um, the child is not dead but sleeping. Death is but sleep when the Savior is available. Uh, yeah, that's right. Death is nothing but sleep when the Savior is available, when He is there and He wants to bring you back to life. Uh, death's not a problem. It's just sleep. And um, anyway, that's the way it was with Lazarus. He just brought him right on back to life. And uh, anyway, uh, they ridiculed him. When he, when, when he said that, they ridiculed him that she was sleeping and not dead. So, and note that note, note, note this is kind of interesting I think note how quick they changed from weeping they were weeping and wailing and carrying on loudly the scripture says 
But when he told them to get out, he told them that the child wasn't dead but sleeping. All of a sudden, they started ridiculing him. So they went from a crying to ridiculing him. And uh, that, to me, indicates they might have been hired um, whalers. I'm not positive about that. And some of them I'm pretty sure were. But anyway, I would think him being a ruler uh, like he was, he probably would not have a problem hiring that. But notice how quick they came from uh, whaling to ridicule. Anyway, they ridiculed him, but he put them outside. And uh, he told them, get out, go on out of the house, go on outside. This is kind of interesting, I think, and it's so true. There is no room inside my life or your life or anywhere for unbelief. They must be put outside. Unbelief keep you on the outside. You ain't coming in with unbelief. And uh, so he put these unbelievers that didn't take him, uh, didn't believe him, until he took them outside. Then he took the, he told them to go outside. He took the parents and the three disciples, only the parents and the three disciples in with him. In verse 31, he took the child by the hand. He said, little girl, I say to you, arise. J. Vernon McGee says that that could be translated another way as well. And J. Vernon McGee says it could be translated, little lamb, wake up. And I think that I'd have to agree with J. Vernon McGee. Doesn't that sound like the Lord, little lamb, wake up? Tender, tender Savior. What a tender, tender Savior we've got. We don't know anything about mercy and grace and kindness like the Lord knows it. Thank you, Lord, we've got that kind of God. The Lord raised a child. He raised a young man who was a widow's son of name. And he also raised Lazarus. He raised a child, a young, young adult, and, and an uh, older adult. How did he do it? I thought this was pretty interesting. How did he do it? He did it all the same way. He spoke the word only. Arise. That's all he said. Arise. And thank you, Lord. That's what he says to us. Arise. Uh, come out of your captivity and sin. Thank you, Lord. He, he spoke the worlds into existence and all powers in his word. Did Jerry's faith die when his daughter died? No, it didn't. Because he didn't have faith about his daughter getting well. He had faith that Christ was going to keep his word. He had faith because he had faith in Christ and his word. We can live life on faith in his word. That, he, that they are all-powerful, and they are, or we can live a life of fear, as we've already said. We must know that we can trust Him completely and look to Him, not the consequences of life. Sometimes I think the consequences of life, circumstances of life, get in the way, and they, they muddy our vision, uh, blur our vision, if I could say, and we don't uh, see the Lord as clearly as we ought to because we let these things get in our path. But um, the Lord would not have that to be true. He wants us to trust in Him regardless of circumstances. Anybody can trust when the going is easy. Uh, he has the power of life and death in His tongue. And uh, we have a mighty Savior, Almighty God, that loves us more than you can ever think or imagine, more than I can ever think or imagine. And I just pray that we'll draw nigh to Him. And let's pray as we close out this lesson. Thank you for listening in, and I hope that the Lord has spoke to you about something that's said today. Uh, the Lord spoke through a mule and uh, an ass, the Scripture says. And I hope that He'll use the word from me as well today. 
And Lord, I just thank you now that you have shared your word with us once again. You've shown us that Christ is all in all. There's no obstacle or problem he can't overcome. There's no difficulty he can't heal. He can speak the word and speak the word only, and we be healed and made and be solved. Give us grace for have ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart to totally trust you and believe you in everything. Bless your word as it went forth today. I pray and ask these things. Through Christ's name I pray and ask it. Amen.